All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Best at Work podcast, where every time that we have a conversation here, it's about how you can be the best at work, the best leader, best employee, and best organization. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Macy Owens, who is an expert in all things ERG. And you might see Maceo's posts on LinkedIn as the ERG homegirl. And there's a lot of great content there talking about how can employee research groups be just an essential part of the strategy in creating not only the best place to work, but also an inclusive workplace, which is a cu crucial part of creating a best place to work. So before I go into, into that conversation and ask Maceo to, to you know, introduce themselves, um, I'd like to remind everybody that we do have the Inclusive Workplace Program coming up as part of Best Companies Group in the fall. Registration is opening very soon and registration will end in October. So if you believe that your organization is an inclusive workplace and you want to be recognized for it, remember that we take the data from an employee survey that we sent specifically focused on things like inclusivity, belonging, and um, a sense of, of being a part of a larger team. Take the data from your employees, their experience, and then decide if you actually are an inclusive workplace. So go to bestcompaniesgroup.com to get more information about that program, which will be opening up very soon. All right. Over to you, Maceo. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. First, I want to thank you for having me. Uh, super excited to be here. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Maceo Owens. I use she, her pronouns. I'm located here in Detroit, although I don't consider myself a Detroiter. I'm a Floridian, but I am in Detroit. Um, and I just am obsessed with employee resource groups. I'm all things ERGs. Like you mentioned, I go by the ERG homegirl on LinkedIn. And I'm especially right now really focused on how to make things easier for ERG leaders and program managers. So that's a little on me. Thanks, Maxio. All right. And I'm joined here by Matrice Allen. Uh, Matrice, go ahead and introduce yourselves, please. Please. Hey, everybody. My name is Matrice Allen, and I am the manager for diversity programs at Color Magazine. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. Um, I've been the manager for almost a year now. My anniversary is coming up. And uh, I've been doing DEI work for about almost 10 years now. Um, most of my background is in higher education. I've worked at various universities doing EDI, DEI, JEDI, all the acronyms. Um, and I've been really passionate about this work uh, because of, you know, my own experiences that I've had and seeing how organizations have adopted kind of listening about DEI and even going the extra step so much as to do ERGs. Um, I've been excited to be a part of that journey over the last decade and just interested to talk about it. Awesome. Well, let's do that. Let's get things started. So, Matrice, kick us off on the conversation that we'll have here about how important ERGs are to an organization's, you know, sense of, of uh, inclusivity, belonging, but really, in a lot of ways, the top line and the bottom line, the business case work. So, let's let's uh, let's start talking. Yeah. So, Maceo, um, the first thing I wanted to ask you, kind of briefly, is what is your role currently? Uh, what does that look like? What do you do? And what led you to that? Yes. Yeah, so two main roles. Thing one, uh, currently I am at Open Table Kayak. I lead their ERG program. 
Um, I do that as a contractor work as part of the ERG movement, which is my larger role, um, which I founded earlier this year. Again, really about um, helping ERG leaders, making it easier for them at companies all over the world. But OpenTable Kayak is where I originally started into the ERG program management world. So um, really what that looked like is coming in and giving some processes for the ERGs. A lot of ERGs right now all around, they operate like the wild, wild west. You know, everyone's doing their own thing. There's no law at all. So really putting some systems, some processes, some data in place to make it easy for the ERG leaders. Um, and then also just assisting them, like getting them kickstarted when it comes to what does programming look like that aligns with what the company wants from the ERGs and that aligns with what your um, community wants from the ERGs as well. So every single day it changes. I, I get the question a lot, like, what does the day-to-day look like? It's different every single day, but um, it's a fun journey, I will say, helping the people who help people. So. You, could and, you tell us a little bit more about the ERG movement, like its mission, how you came up with the idea, what motivate you to kind of get started in this? Yeah. So when I first got into the ERG space, so last year, beginning of last year, that's when I first became an ERG program manager. But prior to that, I was an ERG leader at a different company. But being an ERG leader, immediate, an ERG program manager, immediately I wanted to learn from other people who are doing the work to see like what the best practices were. Um, that being said, whenever I would hop on calls, and I probably hopped on like 300 different calls last year with different ERG program managers, ERG leaders from all over. Whenever I would hop on calls, I would most of the time end up giving advice to the other companies on like, here's what you can do. Here's what I'm doing over here at this company versus like getting the advice that I was looking for, which really made me see like, wow, there are some like fundamental problems that companies everywhere are dealing with. Um, and even then just learning about why that's the case and how 2020, COVID, Black Lives Matter movement, everything played a factor in getting companies to where they are at now with their ERG programs. But that being said, just because I had a historical knowledge of how to create and set up a a business, um, almost, I'd like to say like almost like a franchise and applying that same model into ERGs, it completely changed how I approach ERGs. So with the ERG movement, eventually after doing so many of those calls, it's like, I just need a method to teach people like at scale about how to set up an ERG for long-term success. So that's the context. And, and um, maybe we can take like a step back on, on that, Maceo, and talk about what is an ERG, right? Because there are, you know, usually the, the, the folks that listen to this podcast are in, are in HR, DEI, you know, in talent of some sort, right, within the organizations. But still ERGs, from my perspective, still is this hard to define right uh part of a strategy whether it's hrdi and it and it varies so much from company to company so in your words like what what do you think you know what do you believe is an erg how do you define it you would think that would be like a super easy question to define especially me like even being the erg homegirl but over the past month i've really been thinking on this question because i've seen at different companies it can be different things now In general, ERGs, they stand for employee resource groups. They're communities of employees who come together, um, who want to experience a sense of belonging. And even when I break down the acronym, it's employees, so it's for the employees, 
resource. So it's providing resources to the employees and it's a group. So it's in the community format. Um, that being said, I like to add the added, the added piece to that of these are underrepresented groups that come together that historically in the workplace haven't felt served. Um, and they come together with these communities. Again, I have seen at different companies, sometimes it can branch away from underrepresented communities. I have opinions, but in general, that's that's the practice. So it's like a place where people who may, you know, lack a place to feel like they can belong within this larger organization can go share resources, connect and feel like feel like they can belong. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people they don't know the the historical context to ERGs, but I think that that adds to the conversation here with understanding what they are even today, where they started coming out of the civil rights movement. The first one um, was at Xerox. It was a Black employee resource group. I, they called themselves the Black Employee Caucus. They came together, obviously just wanting to find that community coming out of that time. Um, so that being said, nowadays, ERGs, very similar. They have that community background of to find belonging, especially in a world where things are happening all the time. Um, but also at the same time, they have an added piece now where because they're being invested in so heavily, whereas back then it was like a free program, you just get the opportunity to come together. Now they're being invested in by companies. So that being said, there's also a piece in there of the company um, also benefiting from the employee resource group. So it serves to benefit both the employees and the companies that they operate within. So the first ever ERG was at Xerox. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, interesting. Do you know if it's still there? Like, has it evolved over time? And now, like, is, is the is the Black Employees Caucus still there? It's still there. I am pretty sure the name is different. You, this is giving me something to research, though. Now I'm I'm interested myself. But they do definitely still have um their black employee research group and they have multiple other groups now it's definitely evolved and with that being such a huge huge company um they have chapters and all the things too so i've seen some really cool programming coming out of their uh erg program that's interesting that's interesting so um yeah, so you probably have some good success stories right on how ergs can have an impact in creating a culture of belonging and inclusivity are there any that come up like top of mind like things where ERGs made a difference and and you know changed the culture for the better. Yeah. Measuring change in culture in numbers is a hard thing to do. But that being said, it's not impossible. In a perfect world, every single ERG would actually measure is this existence of this ERG actually impacting our employee engagement scores and things like that. But I'll say even quantitatively having employees come up to me on the regular. I literally had one come up to me um, at a random company that I worked with yesterday and say, like, I wouldn't have felt comfortable even coming out if there wasn't a strong pride community here. So like, oh, thank wow. you for helping to establish it because if the community was like it was before when it was disengaged or even we didn't have a place to come together, I probably still would have felt boxed in at, at my workplace. Like I couldn't be my full authentic self. And I get comments like that a lot. And it just reminds me of why I do the work I do. Cause I, I just feel like everyone should be respected. Um, so that's a success story in of itself. But even then I'll say when it comes to creating places 
that help people to feel a sense of belonging specifically. Again, I like to talk to things that are measurable, so it's kind of difficult. Um, but I don't know. That's a good one. I had a great answer for it, but now I'm like, I don't know. It's That's not measurable, right. so I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm all about measurable too. I mean, uh, I'm at a part of a of a research company, so. <laughs> but um, I love that story of you know someone that just said, "Hey, if we didn't have that space right at the that for the ERG that we have, I wouldn't have come out." And as we all know, eventually they would have felt like I don't belong here. I'm just gonna look for where I do. Right? I think that that's the when I when because I. You know, I'm part of like best companies group, and when these sort of conversations come up, ERG, DEI, workplace culture, it's it's there's always like a little bit of a of a skeptical view from businesses to say like, why does it matter, right? Like, tell me, show me a number that tells me I should care about this, and you know, if you if you kind of like peel back one level back from, from stories like the ones that you shared, right? It's like the number there is you may lose a really great person, a great employee, and you're going to have to hire for that. And that costs money, right? And if they don't feel like they belong and they're fantastic in their marketing job or accounting job or whatever, that is going to be real money. If you really want to break it down to numbers, that's a number that you can't ignore. It just happens to be, you know, part of a, of a human story, right? And I was talking about this earlier, two things on it, because there's a book that I'm reading right now. It's called The Infinite Game, The Infinite Mindset, something like that by Simon Sinek. It's an excellent book. Um, And in that, he speaks about the importance of companies caring about their employees um, and investing in them. So like, for instance, like with Apple, like they show that they cared about their employees because they start like their hourly employees at like a pretty decent minimum wage and they give hourly employees the same benefits as their um, corporate employees or even like Costco, even though they are like frontline employees, they still love their job because they're being treated well. And that when they looked at the numbers, they had a higher retention when it comes to these like uh, retail hourly positions, 90% higher than the industry standard because they treat their employees well. Now I say that to say with employee resource groups is exactly the same principle. It's along the same lines of this is just making sure that your employees feel like they're being treated well. And there's gaps in that where employees who aren't from right now, like the traditional corporate background or employees that feel underrepresented, they don't feel treated as well as maybe the, the employee that does kind of fit more so into that corporate mold, if you will. So ERGs, they just help to fill that gap. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's that's something I really like. And also, even when it comes to that business impact piece of it, uh, something I've been thinking about, because right now there's a lot of questions in the diversity space, like what's the ROI on like the diversity work at all? But even then, I don't want to say taking the diversity piece out of ERGs, but like setting it aside for a second, ERGs at its core, their employee engagement efforts. So the same things that the employee engagement teams are being held against when it comes to what's the ROI to this. It's the same exact thing for ERGs. Sometimes I think that we can over-index on like the direct business impact of it because of the larger conversation in the DNI space right now and it being questioned. But ERGs existed before then. And at the end of the day, um, the same thing, like I said, as employee engagement, 
and even learning and development teams. Like that's just an add-on to help employees feel like they're being invested in. So that's really what ERGs are at its core and how it benefits the business. Yeah, and listening to you talk, um, you actually reminded me, weirdly enough, of this Pixar short. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called Pearl. And it's Mm -mm. about, I want to say, and I haven't seen it in a while, but it's about a ball of yarn that's pink. And she goes to work at this business. And all the business people look exactly the same. uh, And they they have like these little cliques where they talk about people and make fun of people and go out to dinner with each other because they're all friends. But she's this just very vibrant pink yarn ball who just sticks out against the background. And so as she's navigating, she's being herself and she's noticing that people aren't like me. People don't want to get to know me. They don't they don't want to interact with me as me and so she puts on her little business suit and she she tries to fit in like she still she still looks like yarn but she's like dressing like them acting like them interacting like them and another yarn ball comes in maybe like three months later and she's in the group making fun of the new one and then she realizes this isn't what I should be doing like we should be uplifting people and she changes how she is and she realizes I don't need to change to fit in I can do me and I can help this other person be themselves and we can also succeed here. And so they work together and they become friends and they do fit in like the culture shifts because not everyone's the same anymore. And having a diverse like, like perspectives essentially allowed the people in this company to be like, Oh, we do find value in you. Right. You are interesting. I never thought to get to know you. And I think that's that's what's been happening really. And I say over the last 10 years because I think about maybe 10 to 13 years ago when I was really getting into the workforce, I didn't know what an ERG was. I didn't know what DEI was because people weren't talking about it. Uh, we were just kind of living, I was living as Pearl essentially and trying to decide, do I want to force myself to fit in or do I want to try to find someone I can relate to? Do I want to just shut myself off from work completely? And what we don't want people to do is to just kind of show up at work and be at work and not really engage with it or care about what they're doing because you, you're you going to get the best work out of people when they're happy, when they're engaged, when they care about what they're coming to work for, or if they don't care about it, that they feel valued enough, right? Because I've worked mm-hmm. in retail. I don't care about retail, but I felt valued at my store, right? We had a, I worked for Ikea, which had a really good company culture at the time I was there. And um, it just made me care more about being there because mm-hmm. the company made me feel like a person and not just another number or another worker. And so I think that's really why ERGs are becoming important because they become these kind of places where we don't just have to shut ourselves off from work. And so I, I watch a lot of TV. (laughs) I watch a lot of media. So I make a lot of TV references, but I recently just saw a a show on Apple called severance. Mm. And I don't know if you've heard of that one, but I, I found that one incredibly interesting because it's the idea is that you work at work. And that's it. And so you have a procedure called severance, where when you leave work physically, you don't remember anything that happens at work. But when you're at work, you don't remember anything that happens in your real life. So you never have bleed. So you're not at work sad about home. You're not at home doing work. And at first I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. But that's kind of how 
I used to feel a long time ago because I, I wish I could just sever my day and not have to go home and think about like how that made me feel. But I think as we, as we move forward and we become more progressive and care more about the inclusion of people and understand that people are people and not just products or things to be used, we care more about ERGs and we, we try to institute them. And so yeah, just hearing you talk about it made me think about like both of those shows and how I feel like I've been kind of both of those people and and why ERGs are important, not just because, you know, they help a business hit a bottom line. And I mean, we do have numbers and data and research that shows that if you're more diverse, like you, you get better perspectives because you have different perspectives and everyone's not the same, but just being good people, you know, good humans to each other and building those connections, I think is truly meaningful. And I'm so happy that you said that. Thing one, I haven't seen either of those, but I'm checking them both out. Literally binging severance later today, now that you've said it. Um, So good. (laughs) Because even like with the Pearl reference that you mentioned at first, that is really how the workplace has been. And we're at, I guess, phase two out of three of that. So how you're saying at first, Pearl, um, well, maybe stage two, three out of four. Long story short, basically Pearl comes in as herself, realizes that she can't be herself. So she puts on, you know, tries to look like the rest of corporate. I feel like that's really where the world was like maybe before 2013, I would mm-hmm. say, where there was just that kind of vibe. Um, and then it gets to the point where, let's see, the new yarn ball comes in. And eventually she realizes that she's wrong. And then she kind of helps with the yarn ball. I feel like that's where we're at now in that these communities are forming. The next phase of how that impacts the rest of the workplace and getting the rest of the culture in that office to also accept the yarn ball, I feel like we're not fully there just yet. And that's why even with your question earlier on like, what's the effect of ERGs on belonging. I feel like it's starting to have that effect for these communities. And I hope that we will reach this point with ERGs where they can start to actually change the workplace. And we'll be in this phase where everyone now is accepting, you know, everyone as they are, no judgment, no microaggressions, all the things. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think it's, there's going to be some time before we get to that point. Um, and before company cultures are changing at scale like that. But I do think we're at least at the point where there's communities forming and they're strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just love that you said that because it just it paints a really clear picture. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, I wonder if if we could we could sort of like demystify ER. How do you how do you start an ERG? How do you maintain an ERG? Right. So. There might be someone out there listening who has the power or the influence to do something like this and say, you know what, we should definitely do this. We should start an ERG because I've heard enough saying we need it, right? Uh, Macy, like, what would you say are the are the things that they should consider as they're thinking about starting on this journey? Like the things to consider as they're thinking about building an ERG for a community in their organization that right now doesn't have an ERG. Um, and then maintaining that so that it does build on momentum and grow over time. What are some of the things that they should they should consider? Some of the pitfalls potentially to to try to avoid. Yeah, thing one would be the size of their organization. 
Um, a lot of companies that are really too small to have a fully fledged out ERG program, so like maybe less than 300 employees, try to go from zero to 100 and have all of these ERGs and have ERG leaders and try to develop like leadership committees for it's such high pressure for these leaders. So let's just say it'll probably be like two ERG leaders for an ERG their maximum attendance might be 30 people ever because it's rare that you're going to get more than like 10% of the company um, on a call. So seeing only 30 people is going to make them feel like, wow, we're not really doing much. When they are, they're doing great, but just it won't feel like that. There won't be, yeah, it just wouldn't feel like that. So depending on the size of the company will depend on the approach when it comes to ERGs. Um that's thing one and how how fully developed you want them to be. If you are under 300 people, I will probably recommend um, that you start off with like a diversity committee that has people from like all walks of life coming together and they can collectively work to do programming for significant dates and things like that. You can still have like informal Slack spaces for the individual affinities, but to have them as ERGs with structure, you're paying the ERG leaders, all the things like that. It's doing a lot. I'll just say in the payout, the payoff is not really going to be worth it nine times out of 10. Nine times out of 10 is the important yeah. part. Um, but beyond that, I'll just say, um, as you're thinking about starting an ERG, understand if this is like the commitment that you want to also go down. I say that because a lot of the time, companies, even back in 2020, when they started ERGs, they just said, okay, we're going to have them, here's some employees, like go do your thing. And that is what leads us to where we are now, because it was the cool thing to do to have ERGs. Everyone just did it and they didn't really think about it. Nowadays, the companies that are starting ERG programs are putting more thought into how they're being started, which means that that takes more time and more upfront effort. That being said, that's why I say you have to understand, is this the path that you're ready to go down at this moment? Like, do you have time to dedicate to actually starting an ERG program and to developing government's documentation, um, into properly sourcing ERG leaders and to training them so that when you do launch to the rest of the community, they'll already be set up for success. A lot of companies don't understand that that is a process. It doesn't have to be a forever long process. I've done it in under one quarter, so it can be done relatively quick. But if you have other priorities on your team, that's completely different. I did it one quarter with that being my sole focus. It's completely different balancing everything. So understand, is this something that you want to do? Um, and then, of course, I'll, I'll plug the ERG movement model um, and the ERG movement in general, because there's so many resources there, because we try to make it really easy for companies to mm. do this. But ultimately, the principles that are in there is having a strong foundation, as long as you do that, your ERG program will be set up for success. Um, and that's why like that pre-work is super, super important. And a lot of those, been, a lot of those principles are really, again, based off of how is a strong business set up, not a strong business unit or like team or like a strong DNI team, even where I think if DNI program managers are leading an ERG program, they can think from that lens, like, ooh, how would a strong DNI team lead? I'm saying an ERG program is literally identical to how a 
strong small business gets set up that eventually develops into like a beautiful enterprise. All the same principles apply. So think from that lens. Don't think from like just this being a team at the company. I think, uh, Matrice, I'll give you the last question before we wrap up. I'm trying to give you a good one because we don't have a lot of time left. So um, I think what are kind of some of your biggest challenges, I guess, in ERG spaces and maybe like a couple that you've had and how you've overcome them and how you see other people being able to kind of implement that. So we've all had, I've had challenges in trying to create, run, manage ERGs plenty in the past. Um, but just, yeah, a couple examples of some, some things that happened and what, what did you do? Yes, I will give three. One that is specific to ERG program managers, one for ERG leaders, and one that just kind of applies to both. So for ERG program managers, I would strongly say ego is like the biggest, biggest thing. I've dealt with this myself with like my own ego. As an ERG program manager, like a lot of people have just been trying things for the past couple of years to get their ERG program set up for success. And not everything works, but sometimes the ego makes it almost impossible for them to say, look, let's try this again. Because they're worried about how the ERG leaders are going to look at them and things like that. Where nine times out of 10, your ERG leaders will respect you so much more for doing it the right way and saying, I'm not going to stop until we get to the, where we need to be. So honestly, a lot of the times it's the ERG program managers who are in their own way. And sometimes it, it levels up. Sometimes it might be the head of diversity or the head of the people team who's like, how are the employees going to look at us? But ultimately, the employees just want community. So they're not going to look at you any type of way more than like a day or two, as long as you're delivering on what you're saying you're going to deliver on. For ERG leaders, I'll say there's hesitance in change sometimes. And that's maybe that's an ego thing too. But I think it's really just because you feel ownership for your ERG. Because if you founded it, you've been doing it solo for so long. Like I said, they've been around since the 50s. And only more recently are they getting management around it. So sometimes there's a lot of hesitancy. I'll say leaning into data. Um, and I guess this also will benefit the ERG program manager that's listening to this too, but leaning into data because that is the universal language. That's not an opinion saying, I think that this is what we should do. That's us saying, this is what the numbers tell us what we should do. And doubling down with that, even the data that comes from your community, who makes up your community? Have you asked your community what they want? And have you put those wants into data that'll explain like, here's what we're going to do first based on what they said. So really looking at the numbers, I think that that can't be um, understated at all or overstated at all. Um, and the third one that brings those two things together is really just low engagement or even like ERG leader burnout. That's something that so many companies are experiencing. Again, the resolution to that is looking at the data but also having the strong foundation that we talked about earlier, as long as you, which the strong foundation includes having a strong set of metrics that you're operating your ERG program with. So as long as you do those things, ERG leaders are set up for long-term success and they're happy. So everyone wins. Everybody wins. You got it. And you also have to remember, I think just to emphasize your point there, uh, Macy always burnout is real. And it's not only something that's coming up quite a bit in ERGs, 
it is coming up quite a bit in DEI. It's coming up quite a bit in just work. <laughs> you know, there's a uh, burnout is real. We've gone through a real tough last few years. Um, but I appreciate you just kind of sharing that and reminding people. It's like, you got to take care of your leaders. You got to take care of the people that are in charge of maintaining and building out this community. Um, real quick, before we wrap up, if anybody out there, any company or individual wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? If they want to work with you in some way or learn more about the ERG movement or just, you know, find some time to chat, what's the best way to connect with you, Maceo? Yeah, you can email us at info at the ERG movement or check out our website, the ERG movement.com. Like you all mentioned, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube. There's so much information that we have. So you can even go through any of those platforms and message us, but um, hitting us via email would probably be best. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, I, got, I go by the ERG homegirl. You'll find me under Maceo Owens and happy to connect. Um, even just to, if you just need like, event session even around ERGs. I'm happy to do it. I'm all things ERGs, so let's do it. Let's make it happen. Appreciate it. Thank you, Macy. And I really do recommend everybody out there check out all those resources. In particular, follow Maceo on LinkedIn. I love the content that you put out there. It's very honest to the point and very helpful too. Right? Like you're not talking about kind of like these vague theories on what's like here's the things that you need to do. Right. Uh, and I heard, too, that you got some Barbie-related content coming up. So if nothing else, I'm, I'm going to be tuning in for that. So just let me know when it's posted, and I'll be there. <laughs> Most definitely. Like Matrice, I'm a big TV watcher. And yeah. once you're obsessed with something like I am with ERGs, you see it show up everywhere. So, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You do. You do. Um, so thank you again for your time, Maceo. You know, so the ERGmovement.com. You know, connect with Maceo if you have any questions or really ideally want to start your ERG journey or take it to the next level, right? Because we all need to do these. We all need to find ways to create communities for our people, especially those that right now feel like they don't have a community at work. Um, I also want to put a quick plug here for the ERG Success Summit they will be having, right? So this is going to, is going to be with uh, Color Magazine. It will be in November in Boston. And so if you're in that area, tune in for uh, some updates on that very soon. You can go to colormagazine.com to learn more about the ERG Success Summit. And obviously, Amacio, uh, we're excited to, to have you there as part of the programming that we're going to have. It's going to be an exciting one day all about what we're talking about here, how to set up your ERGs for success and how to set up your ERG leaders for success. So thank you. Maceo, thank you, Matrice, for the time. Uh, thank you, everybody out there for listening at the Best at Work podcast. We'll see you next time.